So this this clarity in every role leads to result ownership in every team member. And by having this absolute clarity, we reduced like communication and meetings big time. As you know, when you have a lot of meetings, that's an indicator how inefficient everything goes. As if Hello out there and welcome to our weekly RSSEO Q&A session here at the Virtual Frontier. Priorities, goals and tasks change. People come and go. The business grows. What also grows often equally is the chaos and the problems when you lack clear, transparent and understandable role descriptions in your organization. So in today's conversation, we wanted to find out how to get role clarity, what a great role description looks like and how that will help you to achieve your business goals without losing your mind on the way. So, see you in Chester Flash on the other side. So, hello, Manu. New week, new Q&A session here at the Virtual Frontier. Happy to have you back. We had uh, a break uh, for one week, so um, great that we have get together today. Our topic uh, in a, for this Q&A session is um, role clarity and getting more clarity in this uh, topic um, as it is kind of crucial and important for every company to have their roles uh, clear set and um, everyone knows what is important to um, fulfill their job really. and uh, producing great outcomes. First question from my side would be, mm, what happens often is that you are um, from both sides as an employee and employer, uh, you're hiring someone or you are hired uh, for something and you end up doing something completely different or uh, a lot of uh, additional things that uh, were never uh, communicated uh, upfront. So um, what, what happens when, when you have this kind of uh, process in your company or you're confronted as an employee when you're entering in a company? Is it even a process? I think it's called chaos, right? <laughs> okay, because... I, I call it role, role pollution. <laughs> so what, what happens often is that you know that you have a lot of work, maybe of some specific kind, and you need a person that does this work. And then you hire a person like you know you have a lot of work in software development, then you hire a software developer. And this person comes into your business, maybe they check the culture, they like it, they love the work of doing software development, so they start doing software development. And then it often ends up that, especially if this person is good and reliable, that other people see, oh, this guy is really smart, he's reliable, maybe he's a she, so I, if I say he, it's both, <laughs> for yeah. everything. So, <laughs> and uh, then it, it comes up to like, they get even more work. Like there comes up the, the topic that there needs to be done quality assurance and there is no quality assurance person. So you might go to this person and say, hey, you understand software pretty well, so can you also test it? And as most people don't want to disappoint other people, this smart and good guy might say, yes, of course I can do this. So then he does software development and quality assurance. And then it comes to like a software architecture is missing and there is no software architect because this role is not defined. There's just like work. And mm. then someone who has the work finds the most knowledgeable and most reliable person to delegate this work to. 
And then it happens in the same way. This person gets asked to create the software architecture. Can you do this? Person says, yes. All right. Does software architecture pretty well. And that goes on and on and on. And other people see the same pattern. So this person gets overloaded with all kinds of work. And as the person is afraid of saying no, as he or she doesn't want to disappoint anyone, like what happens is the person only does 20% of software development, what he committed to in the beginning and what he or she really likes to do. And 80% is like cleaning up the mess and doing all the work that other people can't do, don't want to do, have no time to do. And then you have a very good software developer that does everything, just 20% software development, what he can do really well. And in the end, this person is so overloaded that when it starts like one person tries to delegate another task to him or her, and then the quality suffers, and then the reliability suffers because the person has simply too much to do but doesn't like say no. And in the end, everyone delegates more work to the person and things get more unreliable. So what happens is that the entire team thinks, oh, mm, this person is not so reliable and the quality gets less. So, but this is not true. The person didn't change the quality, nor did he change the reliability. What changed is that the role of this person got messed up by everyone else in the team. And in the end, either this person quits because he or she is very frustrated that everyone is disappointed and he cannot focus on what he likes to do best, software development in this example, or the other people think that this guy is not reliable anymore because he delayed all the other tasks and then they mm -hmm. fire this person. So in the end, you lose a very, very good software developer, not because it's not a good software developer anymore, but because you polluted this person with all kinds of things. And that's comparable to like what I'm talking about when I say software developer, I mean the skill of developing software with a specific software development language like PHP, Java, or whatever. And that's comparable to, let's say, you want to put a nail into a wall. And then you take a fork. It's a very good fork, right? A very valuable fork, costs 200 euro. It's a golden <laughs> fork, right? And generations used it to eat. And now mm -hmm. you take this fork and try to hit the nail into the wall and it doesn't work. Would you say it's a crappy fork? No. You just used the wrong object for putting the nail into the wall. It can't work. But this is often how people treat other people with specific skills. They simply don't understand which skills they need for which work. And which skills are not appropriate to get the work done. Then it happens with role or skill pollution. So that's how it often ends up. Yeah. I'd like to take a, back, a step back and um, ask you how many roles have we probably defined in, inside the, uh, our company? Um, and how long um, did this uh, shaping of different roles inside the company oh. took? Maybe uh, you can elaborate a little bit on that and um, yeah, also define what, what happened maybe on, on, in, the, in the process there um, because that wasn't something that is uh, done from one day to another, right? Yeah, exactly. So it took a long time. I mean, I was working on team blueprints and role blueprints, role definitions, I don't know, since 2012 when I hired my first freelancer and they asked me for a role and I was, what are you asking me for? You should do like software development. And then they asked me, okay, and what is the result that you measure my work with to tell me if I'm good or not? And I was like, eh, what are you asking me? Right. <laughs> so this is when I started 2012, I would say was the start. Now, how many roles do we have today? It's really like lot. a prox. I, yeah, I would say 50, 60, 
roads, but they are all pretty similar. So I think what is most valuable for people is to understand what are the core roles of every team so that the team can do the work properly. And to decide about which roles are required in every team, first, you need to understand how work is done successfully. And to do work successfully, the first thing is to think about the why. Why do we need to get something? For example, in a marketing team, you want to generate sales qualified leads that the sales team can close to win clients. That's what the marketing does. That's what the marketing should deliver as a result, qualified leads or qualified requests. Now, this is the outcome. This is why we need the marketing team, because the sales team needs qualified requests to close them into paying clients. That's the purpose of the marketing team. So purpose first, the why first. And then the what. What are we doing in the marketing team? Or in other words, what is the marketing team creating that generates these qualified leads? Because the marketing team cannot do qualified leads. Even if I want this, I cannot do this. It's a result. It's a second level consequence of the work you do. So mm. what they do is typically they build campaigns or funnels. So now this is an important thing. What the marketing does is three things. Create a, um, a strategy of a funnel. So how does the funnel look like and how should it work so that we get these qualified leads? Okay, this is the strategy. Then it sets up the funnel. It creates the funnel. It creates copy for ads, for landing pages, sets up campaigns on Google, Facebook, Instagram, etc. This is the building up phase. It's built up, right? This is the work that needs to be done. And already here, you can look at who is responsible for what. So who is responsible for the copy? You have a copywriter, right? So this person is responsible for the copy. What should the copy do? The copy should convert visitors into leads. So that's, that's the result of good copy. And that's the work KPI of this copywriter. And then you have a campaign manager. This is the person setting up the campaign that drives traffic into the funnel so that the copy can convert these people into requests. So you have a campaign manager responsible for the campaigns. And basically in a marketing team, these are the two active roles. You can have a creative person, a graphic designer creating like images for ad campaigns. If you want to make video ads, you need a video editor. And then you want to make sure that the team collaborates properly. That's why you have a process owner and the, or scrum master if you work according to scrum. The process owner plans, invites, hosts, and moderates the meetings to make sure that a team regularly comes together, not just for the sake of having another meeting, but following a strict outline agenda to cover all important topics that are required. And important topics are, for example, look, how far did we come with building up the funnel? One very important work KPI, what's the progress of our work, right? And then let's say you have built up this funnel then you want to constantly improve it. So to increase the conversion rate, to increase the profitability of the campaigns, right? And this is the KPI of the campaign manager and the copywriter that maintain this funnel. And they look at the KPIs every two weeks and come up with ideas how they can change the copy to improve these KPIs, right? And that's how you get from the setup phase into the improvement phase. And that's what a team constantly does. And what you see now here is that a team always either builds a system, an asset, something, 
or it maintains it. And very often it builds it first and then maintains and improves it. And when you have a system, every role holds one part, one component of the system. The copywriter holds all the copy, right? And is responsible and accountable for the performance of the copy measured by conversion rate. And the campaign manager is responsible and accountable for the campaigns on a specific ad platform or a specific channel and responsible and accountable for the conversion rate and the cost per like acquisition, cost per customer on the campaign. So this is how you split the roles by having a system first or having the outcome first, the result that you want, and then building a system that generates the outcome and then having roles that get assigned some components of the system that they own. And then you have a person, a process owner, that helps people holding these stakes, these components, and let them collaborate properly together by having result-focused meetings. That's how a team works. And that's how every team works. When you look now back, um, what has changed uh, or what was the first noticeable change, let's put it like that, um, when uh, you started like creating those uh, um, roles and there, there were already like some level of clarity uh, in those roles? What, what was the noticeable change in business or maybe your, your personal experience when this, this happened? Mm -hmm. and was implemented. Yeah, so two main things and one for me personally. So for me personally, it changed that I was not the only person looking at results and in the past telling people what they should do so that my results improve, right? This is, was the time when I was the bottleneck for everything because without me, nothing worked. And now the team owns the results as we got a lot more clarity which results we want how results are um, created or produced and what we need to build and do to get these results. So this, this clarity in every role leads to result ownership in every team member. And by having this absolute clarity, we reduced like communication and meetings big time. As you know, when you have a lot of meetings, that's an indicator how inefficient everything goes as if everything was clear and people were absolutely clear who owns what and who's responsible for what, you don't need any meetings. You just need like a 15-minute meeting per day just to have the team come together and create transparency about who does what. And then people can just focus on working instead of having six hours of meetings every day. So this clarity reduced the noise, reduced communication, and increased the results of every team. So this sounds maybe to some of the listeners um, that could cause a lot of work, like getting like the roles uh, defined and uh, getting things started with this. Uh, as you just mentioned, we have built now maybe 50 to 60 different roles um, and um, laid out what, what is really behind that uh, role. So sh should we, how, how should we get started there? Should it be done like... For, all at once for, for all roles that are in the company or should I do it step by step for one role and then get to another one? So how, how you get the, uh, the, the best way there? So, I mean, I would start from the team level and I would ask myself, why do we need this team, right? What is the outcome of the team doing the work properly? For example, the outcome of the marketing team is sales qualified leads. The outcome of the sales team is closed deals. 
the outcome of a software development team is a software release that users love to use, et cetera, et cetera, right? But an outcome of a support team is happy clients that get their questions answered. So deciding about that first is important, the why, and then you define the what. So what does the team need to do? Which system does the team either need to build because it's not yet there? Then it's a support system, it's a sales process, or a sales system, it's a marketing funnel, it's, it's a software development system, right? What is it? And then what needs the team to improve and maintain this system? And then you define the roles. And I recommend doing that, like defining the why, the outcome of every team, and then deep dive into one team and decide about the system of the team and the roles that are required so that every component of the system has an owner that can be constantly improved. And I recommend doing this for one team first. And then use this team as a shining star because it will have a lot of positive effects for people in the team. And then use this positive energy to also motivate other people in their teams to follow this blueprint. That's how I would do it. Yeah. So to what extent is that done by, let's say, management? or um, uh, And to what extent is it done by the team itself, like the, getting the roles written down and uh, yeah. later on? That's a good question. So, I mean, the business owner or the management should start with defining what are we creating for our clients, right? Because this is how everything else flows and aligns in the business. And then you build the teams that contribute to what you create to your clients. Either these are teams that create the direct result for your clients, or you have supporting teams like sales, marketing, and HR and accounting. But the business owner needs to define what do we sell. So this is the main thing. And then the business owner defines, okay, so in my business, which teams do I need in order to deliver this to our clients most efficiently and with a high high success rate and then you find an owner of a team and then this team owner can define the roles and the systems of this particular team and then hire people that want to take ownership of the roles that's how i would do it but if you don't you know there's this that's what very often happens there is a business owner creating a business working with clients so in a very unstructured way because the business owner is the product it's the service provider doing everything and anything. There is no leverage. It's just a person doing work, self-employed, mm. right? And then it grows. You win more clients. And as you do everything for every client, always individually, you grow a multiplied chaos because <laughs> everything is always individually. And now you start hiring people because you have too much chaos, too much work. So you need other people that handle chaos and handle the work. But these people are not as experienced as the business owner, and they might not be as like, knowledgeable as the business owner. That means they have to deal with the chaos, but they are not able to compensate all the chaos and do the work without the business owner. So what happens is there is chaos on the one side caused by clients, and there is chaos on the other side caused by employees that desperately try to get the work done, but they can't because it's just handling the chaos. And the business owner is in the middle having to deal with exponential chaos. Yeah. And this is when building a business becomes a real mess, stressful, and a lot of work. I think that you can find always when you hear um, someone saying, do I have to do everything by my own, on my own, right? Yes. Uh, this is when the, when the chaos is uh, apparent uh, already. Exactly. Uh, 
to, to what extent, or let, let's say, um, what are the basics that you really need to cover in, in this role descriptions and, and what are maybe some um, advanced things that you can add maybe yeah. later on? Because I, I you know, Germany, uh, a German audience or German speaking audience are like more like a perfectionist. I know I have to have everything there inside before I can release it. And uh, so what, uh, what, what is the, the middle way to get it so balanced? I would say you need to have the purpose of the team. So why do we need this team? What is the result of the team doing the work? Okay, so that's the output. For example, marketing team, the outcome, the why is sales qualified leads. The what, what we do, the, outcome, uh, the output, what we create with our work is a marketing and sales funnel. Mm. I would define that first. I would define the why, the outcome, and then the system that this team builds to create this outcome. I would do this first and then start with the roles. Now, if you define a role, the purpose of the role, which means which component of the system is owned by the person in this role. Okay, that's basically the purpose. And then you can list some key responsibilities or things the person needs to do on a regular basis. That's enough for the beginning, I would say. Okay. And how, how do I make sure on the other side that, uh, for example, a new hire, a new employee is like really aware about the, his own role and has like this clarity that we're, we're looking for? Yeah, I mean, a good way to test this is by letting the person give a presentation to the person that created this role. And then the person that created this role is giving feedback to the person that accepted the role based on the presentation he or she gave. Right. Yeah. And to make sure, I mean, it's very hard to really understand an entire role in all depth of accountability and responsibility by just reading the role description. Because when there is written responsibility, um, check funnel KPIs. Okay. But how do I do this in the business using the tools the business has? So I recommend creating a video showing that. And then the sum of all videos showing the how-tos and maybe also explaining the system this team builds and the result this system generates, this can become your onboarding. It's an automated onboarding just with sequential videos that help the person understand why we need you, what you do, and how you should do it. Okay. So um, let's assume um, the, the person has understood uh, the, the role and um, we're getting started like but how I make sure um, or I can find out better, say, if this role that I have hired a person uh, for is like really a fit. So maybe on the, on the, on, on we have done all the checks uh, on a checklist, but um, how I make sure okay, I can see him, how I can make it visible that this is a real fit for the person. Or that can, uh, can that the person it. fits into the role, you mean? Yes, yes. Yeah, you typically you have an assessment, right? It doesn't need to be an assessment center, but you want to look at the role description. And then just create some questions that relate to the responsibilities and accountabilities that you ask the person open questions, not yes or no questions, to see if the person has experience with these things. And let give the person a rating. Okay, how experienced are you with tracking funnel KPIs, with writing copy that should convert visitors into leads and so on? Mm. And I would always ask open-ended questions. I would definitely prepare the questions before you go into the interview. 
And it's always a good sign when the person also asks you questions and tries to pull information out of you that he or she needs to take ownership of the role successfully. Yeah, that's always a good sign. Yeah, and um, other constellation, we have a team that is already established. Uh, they are working, maybe new roles have been introduced or added uh, to the team. And there are conflicts uh, um, appearing, like um, how the how the team is working, who is taking what job, whatever. Um, how how are we um, resolve those conflicts uh, when they appear? Typically, that should be done between adults, and there <laughs> is a process owner, which is the moderator, that brings these two people together and then let them discuss what is the real problem. Typically, you want to separate the objective problem from a personal problem. Because dealing with personal problems is always very hard, while extracting the real problem, the objective problem that is related to a subject, is not that hard. And if you are able, as a process owner, to lead these people with questions to identify the, the subject that caused the problem, then fixing it is not that hard. Because knowing the problem is 50% of the solution. While what mm. often happens is that people negotiate, discuss, and are angry around symptoms of an underlying root cause, a real problem. And if they just talk about the symptoms, you won't be able to solve them. You just fight the symptoms without solving the problem. And the process owner, a good moderator, a coach can facilitate these conversations so that the solution can be found. Yeah. So we have, we have spoken um, already about like outcomes in, in different contexts. What is the real uh, business value or outcome if I have like created these roles, implemented these roles, taken care of that the roles are filled up uh, the right way? So what, what will be the outcome in the end if I have taken this uh, journey and work on, on my desks uh, and getting like real clear clarity about the roles? Yeah, less workload, less confusion, happier people, people that are more self-determined and independent as they can be empowered to create results without a manager telling them what they should do. I would say that's it. You help people grow and you build an organization that is a self-managing organization and it doesn't depend on one bottleneck, but it is run, grown and driven by a lot of self-managing people that all understand the direction, the purpose, and how they contribute with their team to the results the business wants. Yeah, awesome. I think that uh, are some positive uh, aspects you should look into. Um, Manu, um, do you have anything um, in mind that you would like to add for this conversation or to wrap it up for today? Yeah, we can put a, a link to the role templates below this video in the show notes because this can help people that are really interested in getting that right define the roads properly. We'll do so. Awesome. Then uh, thank you very much for your time and your insights, Manuel, and we see each other next week on our next Q&A session. Cool. See you next week. Thank you. Yeah. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We hope you found the session helpful. Head back to our in-depth blog article on role clarity with role ambiguity and work-related stress. Did we miss something in this conversation? How can we do better so you'll get out more value of our content? In the comments and reviews, let us know how a clear role description has helped you or what you are struggling most with. We love to read and respond to your comments. 
To round the session up and make sure you are not missing out on upcoming episodes, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumb up and share the session around with your friends and colleagues so they can take advantage of this content too. Sign up for the free business builder training on flashup.io and learn more about how to scale with your business at any time, work with global top talents and make work better. On behalf of the team here at the Virtual Frontier, I want to thank you for listening. And as always, remember, keep exploring those new frontiers. Thank you.